0: Are you self-employed and looking to get a home loan? Do you want to buy a property with your super fund? Or has your mortgage application been knocked back and you need a solution? At Better Mortgage Management, we specialize in solutions for home and investment loan borrowers. With over 50 loan products and 23 years lending experience, we have the flexibility and expertise to help you achieve your property dreams. Call us at 1-300-857-275 to discuss how we can help you. This podcast is brought to you by Better Mortgage Management. Welcome to Season 2 of Cancer Culture Podcast. This podcast is not just about cancer. It's about the people whose lives have been profoundly affected by it. Throughout this season, we will hear from individuals who have faced unimaginable challenges, from the relentless battles against this disease to the heartbreaking losses, sincere, real stories that need to be heard. Cancer culture is a place of refuge where we try to provide insight, empathy, and a space for authentic storytelling. This podcast isn't an easy one, and it's definitely not for everyone. It is filled with moments of sadness, reflection, and inspiration, but also highlights profound growth, connection, and hope. I'm Jackie Cowan, and I'm your host. I'm definitely not a medical practitioner, but a normal 27-year-old chick who survived the hardships of cancer. If cancer has touched your life in any way, whether you're a patient, a caregiver, or someone who has experienced the pain of losing a loved one, reach out to me, reach out to our guests, and let us be a source of strength and support for one another. With gratitude in our hearts and a shared commitment to understanding and compassion, let us honour the incredible individuals who have chosen to share their stories throughout season one and two. Through Cancer Culture, we can attempt to navigate the complexities of cancer, celebrate the triumphs, and stand in solidarity with those who face this disease with unwavering courage. Welcome to another episode of Cancer Culture. Today, we're joined by someone who's walked into my life in the last six months in the best way possible. And I told you that last night after a few beers. Yes. I was only like two beers deep.
1: I think I was half a <laughs> bottle of champagne in deep, yeah. Very deep.
0: Yeah. Oh, starting to get deep. <laughs> Today we're joined by Fiona Millard, who is a dear friend of mine, colleague, a mum of three and a, a grandma. I am. The coolest grandma in town, I reckon. <laughs>
1: of course, yeah.
0: <laughs> and Fiona and I are recording right now from the radio station that we both work at, So this is pretty special yes when i started this podcast it was about the same time that i got this job so it was a lot but we're really lucky because we have access to this space which means we can come in here and talk about these things that are very close to our heart now i might be wrong but i was thinking about this this morning Uh (laughs) and you started about a week before i did
1: about a week yeah
0: and so when you start working here You have to do two truths and a lie. Correct. Yeah. And I remember you mentioned that you are a breast cancer survivor. Yes. Yeah. And then I'm pretty sure it was after that and I walked into your office and we barely... That's when
1: we had offices. Yeah, that's (laughs) when we
0: had... Now it's just a big...
1: (laughs) Open... Open (laughs)
0: commune. Yeah. Hippie mosh pit commune chaos, which we love. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, we (laughs) love that. But yeah, I remember leaning into your door and saying... You have cancer, and you said yes, and I said so did I, and then I think it was on from there. Absolutely, absolutely, yes. and many other things. Yes, that we have in common. Yes, like being rascals.
1: Absolute rascals. <laughs> Absolute.
0: <laughs> I just thought it was awesome that there was somebody within this new space where I had something in common with, and little did I know that it would flourish into this beautiful relationship. So it is without further ado that I introduce Fiona Millard properly. How are you today? I'm
1: good. Good. Yeah, we're both like... (laughs) A little bit hungover today.
0: Seen better days. (laughs) Yeah, but that's okay. I want to know, where were you at before your cancer
1: journey? I was fairly newly married to my second husband. Mm -hmm. I think we've been married for two years or something. We were still trying to get, work out our... How we are a family thing, how how that worked and whatever, and running a business and working in disability and living out of town. So we lived out at out near Wongari mm-hmm. area. So it was just li- normal life, mm, adjusting. Stuff. Yeah, massive. Yeah, go to work, get home from work, cook tea. Yeah. housework, gardening, go to sleep, mm-hmm. get up. Rinse and repeat. Rinse and repeat. (laughs) Oh, that's nice. Well, you've got to do these things because, you know, I had a house I had to pay for. Yeah. A mortgage, I had to go to work and do that.
0: Yep. So from here on, when did the cancer roller coaster start?
1: My dad became ill. So my dad was, he was a a builder in the Riverland. He worked a lot back in the day when you wore your little blue shorts and your tank top to work and you're on top of the house putting a roof on in 40 degree heat in the riverland or the sun getting on you no hats all that sort of stuff so he had a bit of a journey with skin cancer years prior when I was at still living at home Mm. he had skin cancer on his bottom lip he had to have his bottom lip cut off and rebuilt which was they sort of ripped the skin from his chin and pulled it over and made a another lip so that was the first thing I ever had to do with cancer never never knew really Mm -hmm. about cancer I guess it wasn't in my family so I didn't ever think about it yeah yeah Anyway, so so that was that. And then for years after that, he'd have skin cancers, dry ice burnt off on his face and on his arms and all that sort of stuff. So it was in June, we found out that dad had um, secondary liver cancer, Mm. which we were advised was due to skin cancer not being removed.
0: Properly. Totally,
1: yeah. Yeah. So that was a bit of a bit ordinary, and it was really bad. Yeah. So he went into hospital and had chemotherapy and all that sort of stuff for a, a few weeks. He didn't get better, felt shit and sick and whatnot for weeks and weeks and weeks. Um, seven weeks later, he passed away. Wow. Which was shitty. Yeah. Really. So all all, all that time, I was going over to Adelaide every weekend, flying over or driving over or whatever to spend time with him in the hospital and then back in in Renmark. And then obviously when he passed away, back there as well to support the rest of my family mm. in that journey. So it was quite a stressful period trying to... Hold down a job, look after your kids, go on this journey of my life. Always had my dad in it.
0: Yeah, of course.
1: Now it doesn't. Yeah. That's a bit crappy. Mm. Same with my mum. She was a a mess. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Why am I getting emotional?
0: Because that's okay. I'm not supposed
1: to do that. <laughs> that's all right. Oh, I've cried
0: like fucking three times this morning.
1: Already? Separation. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God.
0: Because that's I never your never do that. That's your dad. <sighs> it's okay. Safe space, okay?
1: Oh, my God.
0: It's okay. I hate doing that. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is and where's
1: your tissues in here? What sort of... Sp- what sort of show is this? <laughs> so that happened. Mm.
0: And for people that don't know, Adelaide is about, so it'd be like seven and a half hours from Wangari, right? Maybe seven?
1: Yeah, from Wangari, yep. Yeah.
0: So that is a massive. It's a, it's a big trip. <laughs> massive
1: yeah. mission. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And to do it on like on a weekend. Yeah. So you finish work, load your kids up. Off you go. Yeah. Anyway, it was a little bit large to to do that. Anywho, so all that occurred and the fallout of losing a family member, it just ricochets all over the shop. Everyone's life falls to pieces. Everyone doesn't understand. There's questions. Why didn't they pick it up earlier? All that sort of carry on. Yeah. So that all occurred. And then in the november of of the same year. So this we're going back ten years, so I've been ten years since I had cancer. So Dad passed away in at the start of August. November, I was in the shower. I've been in the shower lots of times. Between yeah. then, just saying, not, not my first shower. <laughs> first um. shower of 2012. <laughs> November 2012. <Yeah. laughs> Put that on the diary, showered today. Just in the shower, washing all your bits and pieces, which you're supposed to do when you're in there. Anyway, for some reason, I dropped, dropped it, the flannel in the shower. I went, I'm not, I'll just finish doing it without the flannel. And went, hmm, what's that? Felt a lump on, on my left Breast and thought, hmm, I don't know what that is. Maybe it's a pimple or these horrible things that we have to wear called bras. Yeah. They can rub in places and they can be uncomfortable and they can give you sweat marks and whatever. And I thought, okay, well, maybe it's just that. Didn't think much of it. Kept an eye on it for a couple of days, one going away. Mm. So then I decided I'd best go and get the doctor to have a look at it. So all well and good, did that and you could I could just tell. Yeah. When they have a bit of a look and they go, hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Right. We might do some tests and instantly you go, Oh shit. For fuck's sake. <laughs> Let's do that. Then had a scan and then they say, oh, we're going to send you to Adelaide for some more tests. Get to Adelaide. had no idea what tests were going to occur. Maybe my fault. Maybe I didn't ask the questions. The medical team didn't tell me anything either. Maybe they didn't want to scare me. Yeah. Fair enough. So anyway, no worries. Go there. Off we go to the hospital in this area with i don't know 50 80 other people and their partners or girlfriends or whatever all sitting waiting to have tests yeah so and, and it was in it was a breast clinic so everyone there was there for the same bloody reason that I was so they take you in and feel your boob everyone everyone touches you yeah and then they go, right, now we're, I think we'll do a biopsy and see, see what we're dealing with here. Oh, yeah, no worries. What's a biopsy? Oh, we're just going to have a little incision and we'll get like some tweezers-like things and just pull a piece out and, and have a look at it. Oh, okay, yeah, no, no worries. Holy shit, did that hurt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Did they
0: not put you under?
1: No, they just had, like, localised. Uh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs>
0: The beginning of many <sighs> a painful... Oh, yeah. ...experiences. That, that was
1: shocking. Yeah. My mum wasn't allowed to be in there with me. Mm. So here I am in this half-darkened room with one hand up behind my head so that they could get to the area... I'm a little bit stressed, so sweating. A bit stressed, and thinking, excellent. I'll just put my hand, my arm up, and you can check out my smelly armpit Dobbs as your well. Excellent. <laughs> so that happened, and I do believe that the poor doctor, bless him, I sort of swore at him a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I went oh, that hurt. So
0: you swore at him. He got to touch your breast. Yes. And you had a stinky armpit. <laughs>
1: Such a good start. It was so good. <laughs> then they decided that they needed to do some more tests. Full bodied scan, and they have to inject a blue liquid yep. into you so that that shows up in the scans and the where that liquid travels mm. in your system shows up so they can see if there's any issue in those areas they allowed my mum to be in there with me as well so they said right we're just going to inject this this dye into your breast I said oh okay how are you going to do that and he goes well we'll do it through the nipple <laughs> so oh. they instantly went oh right holy shit all right <laughs> through the nipple that's that's not going to be good that's right in there Oh, my God. The pain was horrendous. Yep. Horrendous. Mm. And I'm yelling and swearing a a little bit. And my mum's saying, Fiona, Fiona, stop with the swearing. (laughs) Mum, it hurts. Yes, but you shouldn't swear. I'm going (laughs) to swear, Mum. If you don't like it, you're going to need to leave. No, I won't leave you. But if you could please not swear. I fucking cannot. (laughs) It was, yeah, not so good. Anyway. By the way, Fiona
0: is tough (laughs) as nails, just saying. So this shit must have been incredibly painful. It was
1: shocking. Yep. (laughs) This poor young bloke starts up the machine and says, right, now we're going to – should have had enough time to do what it needs to do. You're focusing on not
0: moving, but you probably (laughs) are moving more now because you're like, (laughs) oh, it was
1: dreadful. (laughs) This poor bugger, you I could see him like through the window, sort of like looking through that window there and you could see him looking at the screen. Then he (laughs) talked through the speaker and he said, Mrs Millard, I'm just going to bring you back out of the machine. I went, why? What's wrong? He goes, well, there's not enough eye through the system. I said, all right. And what does that mean? He said, so I'm really sorry, but I'm going to have to do it again so by that time, my mum, I think she went and got herself some earplugs because I went, "You are fucking joking me, aren't you? <laughs> you want to put another needle in my nipple?" Yep. Like I didn't want to ever have pierced nipples.
0: You're just honing in on it. At it this was point.
1: dreadful. And yeah, then they said, "Yeah, so you've got you've got an issue, and we're going to have to take your breast." And your lymph nodes on the left side of your body. So all the lymph nodes in my armpits and all that they had to remove. Shit. Yeah. (laughs) And I didn't want to tell my family because it was Christmas. Yeah. And we just lost my dad Mm. for five months beforehand. So I don't want to say, hey, guess what? I've got cancer, breast cancer, and I don't know whether I'm going to be here for next Christmas. So I didn't tell them. So Christmas, I had to be upbeat and it was at our house and I was, oh that. And then I waited until January and told my family about it. So that was when I had to go and have the nipple crimp stuff go on. So that's when mum started being there as my support mechanism yeah. and Snow stayed back at home to run the business and take the kids to school and do all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So that the the I guess the diagnosis and finding out what what this stuff was and whether it was semi bad, real bad, or fucked was probably the worst thing because mm. you don't know you don't know what you don't know. Mm. So I I didn't know how they do tests. So I didn't know how long it takes between having a test done to getting some sort of result. I had no idea whether I was coming home after the nipple episode (laughs) or I was staying in Adelaide for a week or what was going on. They'll get back to you. The waiting game. The waiting game. So that's fine. I jump on the plane, fly home. My kids ask, how'd you go at the doctor's? Oh, yeah, all right, lovey. Don't know anything yet. My husband asked and I go, oh, yeah. don't know. And then you're just sort of, what do you do? Yeah. What do you do? You just still have to live. You still have to go to work. You still have to clean your house. You still have to do whatever. I got a phone call from the breast clinic saying that they needed to have a chat with me. Yeah. Could I come in tomorrow? Oh. can't come in tomorrow because I live 800 kilometers away, lovey. Yeah. And you're ringing me at one o'clock in the afternoon, and you want me there tomorrow. So that can't happen. Can't you do a a Skype? Yeah. You only want to chat with me. You don't want to touch anything or whatever, do you? No, we just want to have a chat with you, let you know what we've found, what our course of action will be, what treatment, blah, 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 blah. So, all right, well, we can do that over the phone, and they didn't want to do that. They they want you to go there, which I understand, but I couldn't do that. So I need a, have you got a room that we can do a Skype call with the medical people at the Queen Elizabeth and you can hear what they're telling me because my brain's not, I don't understand half the stuff that they're telling me on the phone now. Yeah. So that was all fine. We did that and basically they said, yeah, Got to take your breasts, got to take your lymph nodes and we need to do it soon. Yeah. So, okay, how, how soon would you like to do that? So that was the middle of January, towards the end of January, I think it was the 15th of February, I was admitted to hospital at the Queen Elizabeth and... Got to stay in overnight for them to check, make sure I'm all good, and draw lovely little pictures all over me boob and my <laughs> arm and stuff. <laughs> playing with your tits again? I know. Everyone <laughs> wants to, to touch your boobs. It's amazing. <laughs> okay, that's fine. And in hindsight, I probably should have touched it a bit more too because it was going to go the next day. Yeah. <laughs> the last time I was going to see it. <laughs> but that's all fine. So yeah, the next morning, bright and early, off we go to get put in your nice little blue robe, you know, the ones where your butt hangs out yeah. the back.
0: Them sexy things.
1: Oh, so good. <laughs> and 23 hours later, holy shit. 23 hour operation. So what they did was not just remove my boob and my lymph nodes. They reconstructed a boob for me as well so and, th- and that was my choice because they said you can have it cut off yeah so take skin from somewhere else be it your butt be it your belly be it your back whatever you want and any fat <laughs> basically and build it out of your own stuff that way we don't have to replace it when well, yeah let's let's do that one I think I like that idea. So that's where it went from a, um, I think it was going to be a 14-hour operation anyway. but So that's where it went to a 23-hour operation. So they removed the breast, removed the lymph nodes and built a new boob for me out of my stomach. So my skin in my stomach and the the little roll that you have there well not everyone has that I don't guess but I had one of those and yeah build it out of that so they basically cut me from here to here to do that they've, you've got to have blood running through to keep everything alive so yeah. they've got to cut all the blood vessels then they have to re-stitch the blood vessels and like blood vessels are tiny so they've got to re-stitch them together because they've cut them taken a chunk out now they've got to get the bits that they've cut and put them together, Mm. stitch them up, make sure that all works so that, you know, the rest of your body doesn't cark it. And then the stuff they've cut out, you've got to put it up where your breast used to be and connect that to the bits that they'd already cut off. (laughs) So it took them a little bit of time to do that.
0: Only 23 hours. Yeah, yeah.
1: So the following day from that, I was a bit more with it and they came in and had a chat with me and basically to make sure that the blood flowed through my newly joined um, bits and pieces, both around in the boob and around the belly area, I had to stay under a heat blanket for seven days. So this is is February in Adelaide. So it was like 45 degrees outside. I'm under a 45 degree heat blanket in a hospital bed. I wasn't able to move. I was connected to machinery and all the fluids and the old catheter thing. So lovely. All of that stuff wasn't able to get out of that bed for seven days and sweating my butt off for Sounds seven like days hell. it was crap Yep, it was crap couldn't move because you can't roll over on your side because you got a new boob there mm. and you've got all these stitches and they have to come in and look at it all the time and they're going to make sure that it's all healing and that nothing's burst or whatever But I wasn't allowed to leave Adelaide. Okay. Which is, okay, well well and good. Where am I going to go?
0: Yeah.
1: Like we've already, I'd been over to Adelaide for appointments and whatnot at least 10 times before admission into the hospital. So that's 10 air flights. And, and they're not cheap. They're not cheap. Like the, the air flight, the 40-minute air flight from Port Lincoln to Adelaide is the most expensive regional flight in Australia. Yeah. It's ridiculous. So that's that's a lot of money. And then some, a lot of those times I'd had to go the night before because you needed to be at your appointment at 8 o'clock in the morning. I don't understand. And I don't think there's enough support for regional people going through any sort of cancer yep. in that regard either but anyway that's a that's a whole nother story there um, is
0: there is support but it's not accessible for everybody and it's constantly not. being thrashed because so many people are sick and so there there does need to be more there needs to be more straight and up the financial burden though like you've just been faced with this diagnosis you might not come out of it alive you've got your whole family mm uh-huh waiting to find out the results. Mm. And I don't know about you, but I say this frequently throughout the show, but I think my journey definitely affected my family a lot more than I because it was just like, go on, this is what you got to do, just see what happens and try and stay strong. But like amongst that stress, then you've got the financial side of things and a lot of people aren't as lucky as you or or I. And we know that. Yeah, absolutely. Financial stress, like – Stress can cause many different illnesses. So on top of already going through cancer, it's just a lot. It is. It is. How was that time for you in terms of your mental health?
1: Oh, look, it was pretty ordinary. So I, I not only had to think about my pain and all of that. I've got two kids at home who were 12 years old. A stepchild as well. And a stepdaughter as well, mm. who was 12 years old. My mum had gone and lived at my house while Snow was in uh, Adelaide with me, having having when I had my breasts removed. So my mum went to Port Lincoln, stayed there for two weeks, did all the homey stuff, take the kids to school, feed and water them, f- gardening all of that sort of stuff so she was out of out of the realm she only got messages from snow so she would ring two or three times a day and snow would just let her know what had gone on for the day she was still grieving for my dad Mm. It, it was really shit and then
0: one of her babies is sick yeah yeah
1: that's it like what do you do so it was really hard for, for them as well. And then, then my kids. Mm. My kids, mum's gone to hospital because she's got breast cancer. They don't know yeah. what breast cancer means. I didn't tell them because I really didn't know either. So like everyone was either in the dark or, yeah, I don't know. Knowing now, if I knew now, What I knew then, I would have done everything so different. Yeah. But you don't know. You're told you've got breast cancer or any bloody cancer. Instantly, your brain goes into holy fuck mode. Instantly, your life flashes before you and you think, all right, okay, am I going to be here tomorrow? Have I organized this? My kid's going to be okay. What do I do about that? Blah, 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 blah. So, your brain is just full of all sorts of stuff that it, you didn't want to ever have to have it full of. Yeah. So, I think if I. No guidebook for this shit. There is nothing. No. And, and no one. Yeah, I know there's support, the support groups out there, but I think. And it depends on the person, but for me, I wasn't ready to talk to anyone about any of it because I hadn't processed any of it myself. Mm. So even though the breast clinic would say there's this support group you can chat with and um, you can call these people or whatever, I, I didn't want to do any of that. Yeah, I wasn't ready for that. So I dealt with it all myself, whether that's good, bad or ugly, that's just what I did. But in hindsight, perhaps for my well-being but more so my family's well-being, I probably should have got them in to, to ring one of these groups. Yeah. But I never offered it to them either. So I feel maybe I was... I didn't do a good job there.
0: But what the fuck were you meant to do? Yeah, that's right. What do you do? And that's that's why I think it's important that you and I talk about this. We air it so that people can maybe... Do something differently. They might be in a situation that you were once in right now currently listening to this mm. and they could be like, oh, wow, Fiona. Yeah. Wishes yeah. that she got that help for the kids or for snow. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I wish I saw a psych from the day I was diagnosed, but I didn't want to because I wanted to be young and I wanted to be 17 and I wanted to be normal. And seeking help and aligning with those people made me feel like I wasn't normal, even though I was dreadfully ill. So I totally understand what you're saying. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and it's tough. My treatment within the health system at the Queen Elizabeth Hospital was fantastic. Yeah. Aside from trying to pull blood out of the top of your feet and putting a needle in your nipple and whatever, there are things that they have to do. But the treatment was fantastic. The staff were fantastic. The doctors were, were great. But there are just little bits that if I'd known more, now. I would have asked the questions. Mm. Yeah. You know, cause, but I didn't know what questions to ask. Yeah. The doctor would say things or the nurse would say things and then they go, have you got any questions? No.
0: <laughs> Just I dealing didn't have here. Because yeah. I, didn't,
1: I didn't know what the fuck to ask. Yeah, yeah. So that's where we're, we're both saying, have that second person there with you. Yeah. Because they they're going to take in some more information and maybe ask the questions. Yeah. So that, so that you're more informed. But then some people don't want to be more informed either and I think I was one of those. I don't want to know.
0: What happened after your surgery?
1: We get out of hospital. My brother-in-law's brother had a unit in Adelaide that I think it was a holiday unit or something. A nice little old unit in a suburb somewhere that he allowed Snow and myself to go and stay at for a few days because I had to go back into the hospital after two days for them to check things out. And then I had to go back in a day after that for them to check things out. Then they allowed me to come home after that. So we had to have somewhere to stay. So that was really cool. And you get out of hospital. So all of the the medication that they give you to keep things less hurtful and all the drugs and whatnot, you don't have them. Home. At home, so then you start feeling the pain a bit more in those three days out of hospital. In well, now I can actually feel hmm. where all the stitches are. Like that, they, they took I don't know what, what's that five six inches yeah of skin out of my torso. Damn, and and internal. Belly fat. i got, I got a tummy tuck as well, which is really cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> and and I – some people might think it's tacky, but I often will rub my my left boob and say, oh, I've got a bellyache, just to be funny. <laughs> I love that. You know, because that's just how I cope. <laughs> that's me. So I don't know it, if – but when you have that amount of skin taken away, mm. cut out, and then they – Rejoin the skin. You f- you're bent over. Yeah. Because your skin isn't is supposed to have yeah. another five inches of skin in between. Ugh. But it's not there. But just to get off the couch or yeah. off the chair or in the car to go to the hospital was horrendous because I'm hunched over. Mm. To to put your undies on. Like my husband has had to put my undies on for me for like two weeks. Yeah. And I couldn't wear bras. That took, that took a good four four weeks for me to be able to stand almost stand up straight because you had to sort of stretch, slowly stretch your skin. They don't, they don't tell you straight away. They, the doctors, medical profession, if they've got it all or anything like that. So it was, it's like six weeks later that you have a follow-up oh. appointment. So in that six weeks... Not only do you have to deal with your pain, with not being able to do anything for yeah. yourself, with trying to keep your family and your life, yeah. So you got you got all that time where your brain's still going, fucking hell. Am I going to wake up tomorrow? Has it worked? Do I need to go back into to have another operation? What do I do? I don't want to do. You, know, you got all this going on as well as trying to keep your life together, and and not not upsets everyone else in your life because they need to have their life together too. The kids need to go to school. Your husband needs to run a business. Your yeah. mum needs to – my sister, my sister was – she was down in Adelaide just about every second day. She had a job as well. She's got two young younger kids as well. Like it was everyone – I have made a fucking mess of everyone's life is, is what you think. Because if I hadn't got breast cancer, then they wouldn't have had to do all this shit, yeah or deal with all this shit, so I think you get a bit of a yeah you know, I don't know what the word is, but you feel that you've upset other people's lives and it's not a bit cool. of a burden, yeah, yeah, and it's a lot it is it is a lot, and lots of people deal, well everyone deals with it differently, mm. I choose to go along the line of. Don't really think about it too much until you're in bed and the lights are off, then your brain is fully awake yep. thinking about everything. But during the day, I would just block it out and I'd just go through my day doing whatever I'm doing mm. and keeping life normal. Yeah. Other people do it differently to me and, and that's all cool. Everyone deals with their e- anything different to everyone else. So that's, that's all cool. But I chose that way and I chose to make light of things yeah. as well like oh I had my tip removed but i got a tummy tuck as well yeah. that's how I cope and that's how it works for me and it may be seen as a bit crass by others but that's what works for me yeah yeah so
0: that was 10 years ago yeah Where are you at now?
1: So over that 10 years, I've been on um, a drug called tamoxifen. So my breast cancer was estrogen fed. Yep. So everyone has estrogen in their body. You need estrogen for your skin, for your bones, for everything. I couldn't have estrogen because that would feed... My cancer. Mm -hmm. So tamoxifen is basically an estrogen blocker and that's really loosely put. If there's any medical people listening, they'll probably be cringing, but that's (laughs) loosely put. Estrogen blocker, which means that basically its job is to put you into menopause Mm. so that you don't produce estrogen. So I got breast cancer when I was... 44 weren't ready to (laughs) go through the change of life Um, and so that's why they put me on that so it's a really crappy drug there's lots of side effects lots of people can't take it lots of people get blood clots and all sorts of nasties that's just one one of the bad ones I was touch wood fortunate that I didn't I haven't Had any of the really bad bits happen with tamoxifen. I've been able to take it fairly easily, but the side effects for me are all of my bones have no estrogen, Mm. so they hurt a lot sore hips, sore elbows. Whatever, my skin doesn't have estrogen, so I age quicker. You go into menopause, and anyone will tell you at the change of life, you stack on the kilos. So that all started happening all, all together, all at once, mm. and it's like holy shit, this is crappy. Mm. So you've just you've survived this cancer thing, but now you got to survive the drug that they've got you onto make sure that you, well, to assist not getting cancer again mm. and you got to deal with all that as well. And I've been on that for 10 years, be coming off of that in the next couple of months, which awesome. is woo yay. Plus um, it makes you cloudy. So cloudy. My brain foggy. is fogged all the time. There's know? littler things that. Just having a chat. I can't yeah. think of the word. Yeah. I know the freaking word, yeah. but I can't think of it. Mm. Can't wait for the fog to disappear. That will yeah. be so good. Yay! So yeah, <laughs> hopefully it does. Hopefully I haven't been fogged for so long that there's nothing Just left f- in the brain. Big foggy, <laughs> big foggy Fiona. <laughs> yeah, foggy Fiona. That's it. <laughs> yeah. So that is. Yeah, there are other drugs that they put you on for this type of breast cancer as well, but the tamoxifen is the, the my understanding. Most effective mm-hmm. if you can take it, if your body can cope with that. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a shit shit one. And they're expensive. Yeah. I've been on this for 10 years. And again, we go back to the the cost thing. So you get a month of tablets. So you got to have a tablet every day. If I have it without food, I feel nauseous every fucking day. So you got to have something to eat before you have have this medication or you feel like crappy all day mm. it's amazing but if i have something to eat and then have my tablet i'm all i'm all good you're fine but if i don't and i go oh fuck i haven't had my tablet and take it then it's not like i feel a bit crappy for 10 15 minutes it's all friggin day yeah so it's amazing what oh, god knows what it does to your stomach I have no out. idea you're like
0: we're not concerned <laughs> yeah. about that at the moment yeah, not no, talking right
1: about now. that one <laughs> so yeah um very much looking forward to not being on that. And that's, but then, that's exciting. But then the, the next thought comes into your head. So I've been in breast cancer remission for 10 years, Yeah, basically. I'm going to go off this drug. Does that mean that this little bastard is going to come back again? Mm. And again, this is very loosely spoken, knowing if I knew... Then what I know now and knowing that it could, because it is ductile, could go to the other boob, I would have had that one cut off as well. Yeah. But I didn't know that. Yeah. Nor did me at 44 years old want to be without tits. Yeah. Because that's what makes...
0: Well, it's we're women. Yeah. Like that's a big part of us. It's a
1: huge part. Yeah. I wasn't ready for that. So I didn't again didn't ask the questions which i maybe should have and i know my husband gets very cross with me when i say if i'd known i would have gone to take the other one as well he gets very cross with me Mm. because he says no you you don't want that and no i don't but you don't have to wake up every day lovey and think is it going to go to the other one yeah and some some women with breast cancer they have like there's so many different types of breast cancers they actually have to take both breasts and all your innards because the next place it goes to is all your girly bits inside. Mm. So people have hysterectomies as well. Yeah. To, to, to get rid of any of the female part that this little bugger can get to mm. because they have to do that. I was fortunate I didn't have to do that. Yeah but it's always in the back of my head. Of course. Any sort of major illness affects – it has to affect you moving forward. It just mm. has to. Even uh, – like you, you said you didn't want to you, – you, you don't want to be the patient all the time. Yeah. I don't want to be a patient all the time. Don't like hospitals much. Nothing against – Hospitals, but I don't really like them much. They're quite triggering, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> even to the, I think I've told you this before. Even to the extent that I don't know, must have been three years after my mastectomy, and you go, I, I was going back to the doctors in Adelaide at the QEH every six months, and the plastic surgeon would want yeah. to touch my boob again to make sure that it's all doing what it needs to do. So the belly boob, not not the not the one that's still mine. So my plastic surgeon, bless him, I'm sure he's a really, really lovely man. I'm sure he's got a sense of humour, but on this particular day he didn't have a sense of humour. So he said, now you, your breast has all done what it needs to do and it's settled down and settled in and whatever. So now we can make a, a, a nipple for you, if you like. And when a what? He goes, well, most people would like their breast to look like the other breast and have a nipple on it. I went, oh, all right, okay, and how are we going to do that? He goes, oh, so what we do is we stretch the skin and we sort of twist it around, it'll give you a bit of a nipple crimp type thing and stitch it up and paint it and whatnot and then it'll be, you know, a few weeks and it'll look like a nipple. mm And he's going, so when should we book that in? And I I said to him, I'm sorry, Doc, but I cannot understand why you would make a Holden look like a Maserati. Yeah. It's a fucking (laughs) Holden. Just leave it as it is, eh? (laughs) And he was quite, quite upset. He said, I beg your pardon? I said, I don't want a nipple, man. It's okay. Just leave it as is. I'm happy with my guts up here where my tit was, I'm all happy with that. I've been through enough. Mm. They've taken skin from down here, which is at the top of your pubic hairline, so just probably too much information. But no, no, no. I've had to have laser treatment on my boob yep. to stop hair growing. Yeah, true. Nothing worse than having a big black hair stick out through your bathers Yep. where your tit is. Yep. That's not nice, is it? Yeah.
0: <laughs> but this is important stuff that we need to talk about because oh. – because it it happens. These things are happening yeah. to lots of different people in order to keep them alive, and I don't think people understand the extent of the surgery that has to go into it. Yeah, we've never spoken about it in this detail, and I'm in awe of what a lot
1: of people have been through. Yeah, there's so much.
0: Not just chemo, not just radio, no. and I'm not and I'm not underestimating either of those things, but a lot of surgery and mm. effort and just totally moving your entire body around in order to make sure that you're
1: okay yeah that's right mm. and it, it is it is consuming mm. it consumes your whole being mm-hmm. um, but yeah I, I think I used to be a fairly highly strung I reckon oh well, maybe maybe that's not right I, I'm a I love having a great time yeah. I love being an idiot. Yeah. I love doing silly things and whatever, but I was quite regimented and trying to be professional in my work and things like that and, oh, no, I won't go and ride a motorbike or whatever because that's probably not what I should be doing. I've got two young kids, blah, blah, blah. Now... You're
0: going to ride that from Harley. I am
1: so. <laughs> and <laughs> I got to know if this... Cancer shit is going to come back. Yep. I don't know if it's going to affect somebody else in my family. Mm -hmm. This world can be quite harsh and I don't know how long Mm -hmm. I'm going to be here. None of us do, obviously, but I think it puts a different perspective onto things. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. 100%. You can be driving somewhere and have a car accident. It can just happen like that. I think when you've had cancer... And you know that the end could be there. Mm. I think cancer survivors are lucky in that we had the chance to rethink.
0: Yeah. We had people – I've had conversations with people over the years and they're like, oh, yeah, it changes your perspective, right? And I'm, you have no fucking clue the depth of that statement yep. and how it does completely change your life. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Living
0: each day as if it was my last. Yep. And I know for a fact that you do that and so does Snow. I don't know what the boys get up to in their
1: spare time. But <laughs> Probably don't want to know. But I think we all still get complacent. Of course we do. Because We're human. Yeah, because we're human as well. Mm. And I think some days, especially when you've been in a cancer environment, if I can use that horrible term, you you not only think I'm going to live my life to the fullest, mm. but you do get a bit complacent and maybe you'll have you, – you won't, you I don't know, put the lid on the friggin' <laughs> butter or whatever or you'll get, oh, go out with your mates and get home late or you'll have a – a disagreement over something, Mm. like everybody does. Yeah. But I think once you've been through the cancer journey, you get more down on yourself for it. Yeah. Because you go, oh, fucking hell, I shouldn't have said that.
0: Mm. I shouldn't have done that.
1: Mm. Because you know that anything could happen. But that's where I think we, as cancer survivors and families of cancer survivors are fortunate because we've seen that but when you've not had anything in your life that you've had to seriously think about whether tomorrow is going to happen you don't really have the same care and understanding of the things you say the things you do the fact that the sun's come up or that it's raining or whatever I think your perspective on everything changes is so different and to explain how it how it changes is really hard
0: oh it's so difficult that could be like a whole nother episode of us just trying to figure out our shit there are people listening who are currently trying to wrap their head around a parent being diagnosed with cancer their best mate their friends what can those people do for you during that time in order to help you
1: i i i wish i'd done things differently from the diagnosis period to the mastectomy and fallout of that. I wish I'd included my kids more. Yeah. I think just be open. Yeah. Ask the questions. The hard questions. Yeah. Got to ask them. Yeah. Yeah. Are you okay? Oh, I don't know. Why does this shit happen? <laughs>
0: Because we're talking about something absolutely life-changing.
1: It's crap. Yeah. All good.
0: All G. All
1: good. Yeah. So, yeah, I just think questions and have a support person there with you. Yeah. So that they can ask the questions of the medical profession. Yeah. Because otherwise people go home and you have to doctor Google. Not good.
0: Not good. No. Fuck that. Probably
1: the worst doctor in the world. Yeah. Yeah. I can't
0: believe it's even a thing. (laughs)
1: But it is. It is a thing. Yep. Because I researched things once I got my head around it Mm. instead of actually asking the doctor because at the time when I'm in the doctor's surgery and he's pushing on my boob or whatever. Yeah. I didn't have things written down. I didn't remember them. I get on the airplane to drive uh, to fly home, and you go, "Oh fuck! I should have asked that." Yeah. So then I get home and go to Doctor Google. Yeah. And his answers are not real nice. He's a bastard. He can be. Yeah, yeah. he can be. Sometimes he's he's super cool. Yeah. Too.
0: Sometimes he's good if you're yeah. looking at the positive.
1: Yeah. You go back to your question. Has it changed you? Yes. Most definitely. In so many ways. You get out of the shower. You dry yourself off. I know what you do, but I wrap the towel around me, shove it down the middle of your your, cleavage there and go to the bedroom and find the clothes that I want to wear for the day. Yeah. The towel usually would have stayed on easy. It does not stay on. No. Anymore. (laughs) It just does not. I I have two boobs there. One is a belly and one is a boob. Yeah. But because of the different skin, I don't know what what it is, but my towel will not stay on. Yeah, and you still do it every day. (laughs) Every day I do it and I go, (laughs) and I do it tighter every day and I go, right, it's going to stay there. By the time I've turned around, opened the bathroom door, that sucker's on the floor. Yeah. I cannot hold a towel up.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But you keep trying. Every day. And I think that's bloody brilliant. (laughs) You just keep giving it a red hot crack.
1: Keep (laughs) giving it a crack.
0: Even 10 years
1: later. Yeah. Uh, Unreal. Just just things like that, you know? Yeah. Changes everything. Do you have any advice for people? I can only talk about the type of breast cancer that I had and the advice I would give in respect to that. What I would suggest is breathe for a start, ask questions, ask yes. the bloody questions, get a good support mechanism around you whether it's family whether it's friends whether it's a breast support group whether it's what whatever does it for you have the hard conversations Mm. tell tell them that you want them to help you to look into it more or whatever inform yourself Yeah not necessarily of only of the cancer and the journey but inform yourself about what what there is out there mm-hmm. to assist you either physically or mentally to get you through it most breast most hospitals have a good breast care community mm. they a breast care nurse is always there you can ring them nearly 24/7 they're not going to be horrible to you because they're in the breast-caring role. They know stuff. They're very supportive. They can put you in the right direction of who to talk to. Trust them, Yeah, I reckon.
0: It's a big one. Yeah, I've got little tears happening. I know. I have had them all morning too. Yes. I'm so glad that you're still here to tell your story. Me too. And I'm incredibly proud of you and I know how... Hard this can be to talk about it and I know how hard it is to continue to live every day with yeah. this bizarre pressure but also conflicted to live your life and that is what you do yeah. and you both you and Snow and the boys are such incredible people opening your arms to everyone and anyone and I'm just so glad that we crossed paths and I really 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 appreciate your time and for talking about it.
1: We're both Try yeah. to see the good in most things, most days.
0: Yeah, we get it.
1: We fall in a hole. Like we just everybody. getting started,
0: baby. Yeah. You
1: and I. That's it. we got so much to do. <laughs> so much.
0: Is there anything else you want to say?
1: Yeah, no, I can't think.
0: Tell yeah. your mates you love them and your family.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. And don't sweat the small stuff. Yeah. So so they left the toilet seat up. Whoopie fucking chook. Put it down. Put
0: it the fuck down and yeah. move on. That's it. (laughs) Love you. Thank you.
1: You too.